I've, uh, as I look back, not just over the last, uh, you know, uh, 10 years, but as I really look back through my life, I've, I've never been a runner. I've just never seen the point in running. Unless somebody's chasing me that wants to hurt me. You know, I've, uh, I love playing sport. I played rugby till I was 31. And then uh, when I got too old, I've been playing touch footy uh, ever since. And pretty much most of my life, the only time I've really thought it was important to run was when I had a ball under my arm and someone was chasing me and wanting to hurt me. Or somebody else in a different colored shirt had a ball under their arm and I was chasing them and I wanted to hurt them. I mean, that was really the only point in, in running uh, that I could see. Uh, until last year, our family had a little bit of a uh, uh, New Year's resolution, and, and Susan and the kids all started going to park run together on a Saturday morning. We got any park runners in the room? There's a, there's a few of you around the place, and, uh, and it's a ridiculous idea, park run. You get up early on a Saturday morning, no one's forcing you to do it, and you go to a park with a bunch of other people and you run and you get timed and, uh, and you try and beat your time and, and beat other people. And uh, I couldn't really see the point. And uh, Susan and the kids kept begging me to come and I kept saying, I don't see the point. But secretly, I was actually worried that I couldn't run 5Ks. I hadn't run like that for a long time and I was worried I couldn't actually do it and I was going to embarrass myself. That was the real reason I, uh, I didn't want to go. But the first Saturday of May last year, they finally convinced me to go with them and I uh, turned up and started running and I was a kilometre in and I was in big trouble. I, uh, I was, you know, I was close to a cardiac arrest. I was struggling to get air into my lungs, but I couldn't stop because Susan was right behind me. And there was no way I was going to let her run past me. And so I just kept running. And uh, she wouldn't give up. I mean, she's an old woman, but she wouldn't give up. She just kept running. And we got to 4.9 kilometers and she made her move. And she started to pull up alongside me and then run past me. And everything in me wanted to put down the accelerator and, and go past her again, but I just couldn't do it. I had nothing left. And one of Joey's mates named Reese was the timekeeper that day, and he's standing on the finishing line, and he's watching this happen. And as we get closer, the smile on his face is just getting bigger and bigger as Susan crosses the line in front of me and he just says with a big smile, bad luck, Jason. And, and everything in my body wanted to punch him in the nose and just, just wipe that smile right off his face. But I had absolutely no energy left in my body to do anything. I'm just holding onto the closest tree, just sucking air, you know, sucking all the air out of the park into, into my lungs, just trying to stay alive. And I, I decided I'm going to have to start running 5Ks regularly to never let that old woman beat me again. And I, and I did. I just regularly started running 5Ks, and thank God she's never beaten me again. But 
you know, I just sort of kept doing that all year until a, a year later. It was actually the first Saturday of May this year. And I'm running 5Ks as I sort of regularly did through the week and on the weekends uh, along the beach at the Gold Coast. And I just started to wonder. I thought, I wonder, if, I wonder if I could actually run more than 5Ks. I've never really done it. I wonder if I'm actually capable of running more than 5Ks. So as I'm running along the beach, I just decided, set myself a little goal, I'm going to run at least 100 metres further than I did the day before. And so each day I just run a little bit further. So day, the next day I ran 5.1Ks and the day after I ran 5.2Ks and then the day after that I ran 5.3Ks and I just sort of kept going like this. Do you know last Friday I ran 22Ks? I, I never thought it was possible. Yeah, come on, give me a round of applause. Now, now, I wasn't setting any cracking pace. You know, no one's going to be watching me running along the foreshores of Cleveland and go, this guy needs to run at the Commonwealth Games. You know, I'm, but I ran 22Ks without stopping at a consistent pace and I was still alive at the end. You know, if you had asked me 12 months ago if that was possible, I would have said no way. And what I've discovered is that I have got capacity and power within me that I didn't know I had. I've got power within me to do more than what I've ever done before. And I reckon God wants to say to some of you this morning that he has put power within you to do more than what you've ever seen before. I believe God wants you to know that he's got more for you than what you've ever experienced before. I believe God wants some of you to know wherever you're at on the journey that God can do more in and through your life and your ministry than what you've ever dreamed or imagined before. I believe God wants me to communicate to a whole bunch of you here this morning and you need to take hold of it this morning that God God has got more for you than what you've ever seen before. Can someone say an amen to that? That's what God is like. God is a God who has always got more for us. You know, to actually see some of the more happen is actually going to take some big, bold prayers and some big, bold moves. You know, this year I really believed God was saying to us as a church, be bold. Make some bold moves. Pray some big, bold prayers. And as kind of my last message for the next uh, couple of months, I, uh, I just want to remind us of God's word to us as a church this year. Uh, one of the things is I look at really bold believers in Scripture. I look throughout the scriptural story at, at, at bold believers, people who made bold moves, prayed some big, bold prayers. Bold believers expect more from God. They actually expect God to do more than what they've seen before. 
I mean, Noah's a guy who expected God to bring more rain on the earth than they've ever seen before. So he sets about building a jolly big boat in the middle of the desert while everyone is laughing at him. He expected God to do more than he'd ever seen uh, before. You know, Abraham's a guy who expected God, you know, to to give him more descendants than what they've ever seen on on the earth before. He says, your descendants are going to be like more, more than stars in the sky and sand on the seashore. And so as an old age couple, you know, already on the old age pension, a childless couple, they set out to, to, uh, to, to begin to see this nation come about through their offspring. They expected more from God than what they've ever seen, you know, before. You know, Peter is a guy who expected more from God than what he'd ever seen before. He's just seen Jesus nailed to a tree and yet he expects, you know, that God, as he speaks the message of the gospel for the first time, that more people are going to get saved than ever before. And you've got to remember he's preaching to a group of people who have just nailed Jesus, the Son of God, the author of life to a tree. And he says, this same Jesus that you just killed, he's the Son of God. He came and he died to forgive your sin and he rose from the dead on the third day and he's alive today. And he had no, you know, no assurance that he wasn't going to be the next pinned to a tree. But he expected that God could do more than what he ever seen before. And as he preaches the gospel for the first time, 3,000 people get saved that day. You see, bold believers expect more from God than they've ever seen before. That's the thing that actually makes them bold and courageous. Their boldness and courage comes not from their own ability or or their own power or or their own wisdom. Their boldness comes from an expectation that God can do more than what they've ever seen before. You see, bold believers expect God to speak more. There's a dude in the Old Testament named Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, or however you say it, it's a funny name. You'll notice no one up here, you know, called their kids Habakkuk, not even made it into a middle name. It's a pretty weird old name. We don't know a whole bunch about him. He's actually one of the most unknown uh, authors, you know, in Scripture. But what we do know, he was living in a very troubled time in his nation. And he wasn't just going to sit back and just watch it all happen. He, he, he's a bold old believer. He expected God to speak. He expected God to have something to say. This is what he says in chapter 2. He says, I'll stand at my watch and I'll station myself on the ramparts and I'll look to see what he'll say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. The Lord replied, write down the revelation I give you and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. See, bold believers expect God to speak more. He says, I'm going to station myself. He says, I'm going to be stationary. I'm not going to move God until you speak. That's how hungry I am to hear your voice. And that's the level of expectation that I have that you will speak to me. You see, bold believers expect God to speak more, so they give him more time to speak. 
Some of us need to gotta, gotta take hold of that this morning. They, they, they give him more time to speak. You know, this is where I station myself. I've talked about my milk crate before and I'm gonna talk about it again today. But this is where I station myself to hear God speak. I go through 15 milk crates a year. Not because they wear out or they break or I'm too heavy for them. Not because I, I change colour or I'm a little bit OCD about that. They're always black. But I go through 15 a year because someone in this church steals them. Uh, it's not funny. Uh, commandment number eight, thou shalt not steal. I go down there it's missing and I've... I got, I got to go and find another milk. I know I stole it off United Dairies, but you don't steal it off me. But you see, I'm, I'm naturally, my natural personality is I'm an activist and a pragmatist. I love to do stuff, and I love to do stuff that works. That's my natural personality. I'm not naturally reflective or contemplative. But I've realized over many years in ministry now that I've got to station myself to hear God speak. This is really important. You want to hear God speak, you've got to give him more time to speak. When's the last time you really stationed yourself and said, God, I want to hear your voice? No, no phones, no Netflix, no distractions. Just God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you've got to say. You see, this is where God just confirms his calling. It's where God will speak to you. It's where God will speak to you about what he's calling you to do in our nation at this time. You see, sometimes we'd love God to, to kind of write on the wall what he wants us to do. We'd like, we'd like him to make it, you know, that clear. But, you know, there's only one time in Scripture and history we really see that that happened. You know, and, and it wasn't good news. You know, God wrote on the wall, mene, mene, tekel, parson. And, and it meant your days are numbered. You're going to die. It was a message to a very corrupt and godless king at the time. He says, you've been weighed and found wanting, and I'm going to take away all of your wealth. That's what the message went. Now, we don't want that message on the wall. And God doesn't regularly write on the wall for us. He has given us his word and he does put passion in our heart. And he does put a picture in our mind of the future. And as we station ourselves before God, he wants to confirm that calling. You know, when I first started out in ministry, I was, I was 19. And the first thing I ever did, I started a youth group in the western suburbs of Sydney to reach some really troubled kids living in a housing commission suburb in, in Sydney. And it was a terrible youth group. You'd never want to send your kids there. There was fights every Friday night. Some nights I had to call the police. The nights I didn't call the police, the neighbours called the police for me. And uh, I used to carry around in my car a little plastering 
kit because every week I knew some kid was going to put another kid's head through the wall and I'd have to plaster it up. And in the midst of the chaos, I saw God do some awesome things. I love seeing you know, God save a bunch of kids and, and heal kids and prayers were answered. I loved it. I remember sitting in the gutter after the end of one Friday night, me and my mate James probably just plastered the wall, and uh, we were talking about all that God did that night, and I said to him, I says, wouldn't it be awesome if we got to do this full time? And then the conversation went silent for a minute, and he said, nah. (laughs) He says, I'm a scientist. I love being a scientist. He says, I love helping you here on a Friday night, but I don't want to do this full time. You see, at 19, I actually thought everybody had a secret ambition to be a youth pastor that reached hundreds of kids for Christ. I really did. Because that was the passion that God put in my heart. That was the picture I had in my mind as I stationed myself and sat with God. I thought that was normal. And there's some of you here this morning that, that when you sit with God, he, he might not be writing a message on the wall for you, but he puts this passion in your heart and there's a picture in your mind of what he wants to do in your life and in your ministry and you're thinking it's normal or, or you're thinking it's there because you're a nice person. You're not a nice person. You know, it's there because God's put it there. God's put that passion in your heart. God's put that picture in your mind. And he wants you to station yourself so just like Habakkuk, you can write it down clearly. And that call on your life in our nation at this time is confirmed and you can run with it with confidence. You see, I, I, I'd say that the, the, the vision that God has, has, has written, you know, on, on a tablet of stone uh, for me or written on the tablet of my heart is that you know, my calling is to lead a large Australian church that plants more churches, that reaches un, unchurched Aussies with the gospel and sends people, you know, around the world to reach the lost, to heal the sick and to set the captives free. That's what God's called me to do. And what I need to do is keep stationing myself where God can confirm that call on my life and he gives me courage day after day after day to fulfill that calling. And I want to say to you today, your calling is going to be different. What you write as the vision and the calling that God has for you will be different to that. But God wants you to get just as confident in his calling on your life and he wants to run wants you to run with it with the same kind of courage in your heart can i encourage you this morning find your milk crate find your place to station yourself and say god i want to hear your voice i want to i want to be i want you to confirm my purpose God, I want you to continue to encourage me to do all that you've called me to do. This is really important. Bold believers expect God to speak more, so they give him more time to speak. Wasting time with God is never wasted time. Find your place to let God speak to you. Secondly, bold believers 
expect God to give more, so they ask him for more in prayer. Baal believers actually expect God to give more because they believe that he's a generous and a gracious father. You know, I'm not naturally very generous. I'm tight with money. You know, I realized just uh, this week, or someone else pointed it out to me, actually, Andrew Main, uh, he pointed out that uh, I've paid for one haircut since I moved to Brisbane 13 and a half years ago. Normally, Susan just runs over my head with the number two clippers, and it's free. She doesn't charge me anything. But in the last couple of months, she's been saying, Jason, I want you to go and get a style cut. I said, a what? A style cut? She says, my hair is stylish just as it is. She says, no, it's not. She said, you look like a giant bowling ball, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of looking at your head. I, that's not a very nice thing for a pastor's wife to say. That's the exact words she used time and time again. She says, I want you to go and get a style cut. And so eventually she talked me into it, and I went and paid for my first haircut in 13 and a half years. Do you know how much they charge for a haircut these days? $28. I nearly fell off the chair. I, I worked out. I'm doing the math as he's telling me. How, last time I paid for a haircut, it was $9.50. And you know, I'm doing the math. That means I've paid $2 a year for haircuts over the last 14 years. It's the last haircut I'm having until another 14 years goes by. I want a dollar a year for a haircut. $28. Rip off. They're like dentists, hairdressers these days. Just rip you off. The worst bit was, my, my, some of my best friends looked at me and said, oh, it looks like you've got a comb over. I thought I paid 28 bucks for a comb over. <laughs> I'm not very generous. I'm pretty tight. But I, I really love giving good gifts to my kids. I do. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the ones that are here today would say, You know, Dad takes us on great holidays. He always gives us good presents. Susan does all the work around Christmas and birthdays, but every time the night before when it's too late to do anything about it, I say, are you sure you got enough? (laughs) I, I love giving good gifts to my kids. How much more do you think our Father in Heaven, who's not tight, would like to give good gifts to his kids. You know, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, Matthew chapter 7 says, if you then, though you are evil and tight, if you, if you read the Greek, it's in there, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, everyone say more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? That's a good question. It depends how tight your dad is. But the point is, you cannot outgive God. He'll always be much more generous than you are. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. That's what he's like. If you ask him to forgive your sin today, he will. If you ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit, 
He will. If you ask him to give you, you know, the gifts of his spirit to be a blessing to others in the church and in the world, he will. He invites you to ask him for good gifts. Don't hold back. It's how he wants you to pray. Jesus teaches, if you read these chapters, Jesus teaches a whole lot more about prayer. He says the prayers of bold believers are personal. He says you don't have to use any fancy words. You don't have to use the right words. You don't have to babble on. You don't have to try and impress anybody or impress God. You don't have to try and twist God's arm. When you come to prayer, just say, Dad, Dad. This was, this was revolutionary teaching the first time Jesus said this. You can actually address God as dad. It's personal. If you're sitting here thinking, when I pray, I've got to use the right words, I've got to, I've got to come up with you know, the, the right things to say or the fancy things to say or I've got to try and twist God's arm somehow, you're, miss, you're missing the point of prayer. Prayer is personal. It's like talking to your dad. Secondly, the prayers of bold believers are powerful. He says, when you pray, pray, Dad in heaven, holy is your name. You are powerful. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. May the power of your kingdom invade earth as I pray. This is an awesome picture in uh, the book of Revelation of you know, all of the prayers of believers being captured in this golden bowl. And, and there's a time. This is a bit we've got to get about prayer, that God's got his own timing. But there's a time where the, all of those prayers that have all been heard get tipped out on earth. And there's this awesome picture. And, and, and God's trying to encourage us to keep praying where there's, there's, there's lightning and thunder and smoke moving from heaven to earth. There's this picture this power encounter, power moving from heaven to earth as we pray. You see, the prayers of bold believers are personal. The prayers of bold believers are powerful. And lastly, the prayers of bold believers are persistent. It's an awesome parable in Luke chapter 18 that I don't have time to go into uh, today where Jesus is encouraging his disciples to pray and don't give up. Don't give up. When I don't see it happening overnight, don't give up tells the story of this woman who had no power in and of herself. She goes to, to this, uh, this godless and unjust ruler to get help. And uh, he doesn't care about it. He doesn't want to do anything for her. But, uh, but because she would not give up, because she kept persevering, because she kept bothering, he gave it to her anyway. And Jesus is saying, how much more? Will a Father in heaven who does care about you bring justice to those that he loves? But don't give up. Some of you have got some big, bold prayers sitting in your heart at the moment. Don't give up. You don't have to use fancy words. You don't, it's not, you don't have to worry about getting the right words. Your prayers have been heard. They are being collected. And there will be a time when they get tipped out on the earth. And you'll see the power of prayer bring change. You see, bold believers expect God to give more, so they ask him for more in prayer. I try to write down my prayers. You see, there's a whole bunch of you here today. You've got to find your milk crate. You've got to station yourself. Say, God, I want to hear your voice. There's a whole bunch of you here today. I reckon you might be a bit tight like me. You've got to go to Woolies on the way home and, and you've got to buy the cheapest exercise book you can find and you've got to start writing down your prayers. 
You know, for years I've just tried to, whenever I can, to sit at my desk and just write, write some big, bold prayers that God's put in my heart. And sometimes it takes time, but God always does more. I remember praying in 2008, I was sitting in a hotel room, and my prayer went a little bit like this, God, 2008, would you unlock the money? Would you send the right people? And would you show us the right building to start a training center for girls? Simple words, not fancy. That was the prayer of my heart at the time. Nine years later, we don't just have one training center for girls, but three around the world. God has unlocked money. He has sent people and he has found buildings where girls, over 150 girls now have been rescued and have real hope for the future. It takes time, but God's done more more than what we've ever asked or imagined. In 2013, if you read my uh, prayer diary, there's a lot of them that prayed some pretty simple prayers. Our daughter Bronte was very, very sick with anorexia. It was the darkest time in our lives by far. And the prayers were pretty simple. It was just things like, God, would you heal Bronte? God, would you change Bronte's heart towards you? God, would she reach out to you and find hope? God, don't let her die. Pretty simple prayers. But once again, God has done more. The beginning of this year, four years later, we stood in that baptistry as she got baptized and she put her faith in Jesus Christ. And right now, today, she's in Cambodia, in Phnom Penh, working, reaching out to girls with the hope that she's found in Jesus. You see, God... God does more than what we ever could ask or imagine. Some of you have got to find your milk crate. You've got to station yourself to listen to God's voice. Some of you tight people have got to go and buy the cheapest prayer journal you can buy and start to write down some big prayers and keep praying them until you see it happen because bold believers expect God to give more so they ask for more in prayer and bold believers expect God to empower them more so they step out in fear and in faith more. You know, Ephesians 3 verse 20 is one of those verses we all know. It's one of those verses that grandma has cross-stitched on her wall. Has anyone here got Ephesians 3.20 cross-stitched on your wall? Just put your hand up. Has anyone's grandma got it cross-stitched on their wall? I bet you there's some and you're not going to put your hand up. But uh, it's just one of those verses. We cross-stitch it on our wall. We put it on posters. We, we put it on fridge magnets. We put it on screensavers. And we kind of know it to him who is able to do immeasurably, abundantly more than all that we ask, dream or imagine. But we often forget the second half of this verse. And I want you to say it with me. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. Read this next bit with me according to his power that is at work within us. That's how God's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power within you. Within you. See, God wants some of you to hear this morning that there's more power within you than what you think. 
God has put more power within you than what you think. It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power to make you holy in God's sight. It's the power to to hold you secure in the the loving salvation of Jesus until, uh, until the end of all, no end, and for all of eternity. It's the power for you to fulfill God's purposes here on the earth. There is more power within you than what you think. See, bold believers expect God to empower them more, so they step out in fear and faith more. Just have a quick look at this photo on the screen. You know, when we were uh, kids... You know, the Justice League's changed a little bit, but through every generation we've marveled at superheroes with superpowers. You know, underneath their mild-mannered exterior, they had superpower to help people in need. What are some of the powers that Superman had? He was, he was faster than her. He was more powerful than her. He was able to leap over. What about Wonder Woman? What powers did she have? There's some we won't talk about in church, but she had, she had super speed. She had super stamina. You know, she could fly short distances. And this is the, this is the cool bit, ladies. I reckon you'd all like one of these. She had a lasso of truth. Every time she lassoed a man, he was forced to tell her the truth. Who'd like one of those? Just put your hand up. <laughs> now, what about Batman? What powers did he have? None, really. He, he had a really cool tool belt and uh, he kind of looked pretty mean. You wouldn't want to mess with him. But they all had different gifts. They all had different abilities, different power. But they all had one thing in common. Just put the photo back up. They all wore their undies on the outside. <laughs> and I reckon some of you need to start doing that because... You've got more power within you than what you think. Different power, different gifts, different abilities to help those in need in our world. But there is more power within you than what you think. Some of you have got to put your undies on the outside. You might think you're an ordinary person doing an ordinary job, living an ordinary life. But God wants you to know this morning that you have more power within you than what you think. Thankfully, Superman wears boxes rather than briefs today. I said to Susan, I said, what do you think I should do? She said, Superman can get away with wearing briefs. You can't. (laughs) Thank you, Susan. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Some of you have got to put your undies on the outside. You've You've got to start living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God has put power within you. God's still using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. There is power within you. Some of you this morning, there's power within you to preach. Some of you got power within you to pastor and to lead life groups. Some of you got power within you to, uh, to share the gospel with people who've never heard it. Some of you got power uh, within you to pray for the sick and to see them get healed. Some of you got power within you to fight for injustice for people around the world. Some of you got power within you to show mercy to those in need in our community. But every single one of of you if you've got faith in Jesus God has put the power of his Holy Spirit within you and he's put gifts within you to help those in need in the world and it's time for some of you to put your undies on the outside and start living according to that power 
I really felt this morning there's some of you here in this next season, you're going to do some things for the first time. You're going to take some steps of faith to, to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time in this next season. And right now, as I say it, there's some of you here, there's fear and anxiety just welling up inside you. But also, you know you'd really like to see that happen. You'd really like to see God use you in that way. It's time to put your undies on the outside. There is power within you to do immeasurably more than what you've ever dreamt of. Just let me get undressed just for a second. Lastly, lastly, bold believers, bold believers expect God to save more people so they share more of what they have. Listen to what happened as the first church started. Holy Spirit pulled out. Acts chapter 2, it says, All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved from the very beginning of the church when God gets a hold of believers hearts first thing that happens they start to share what they have so more people get saved they start to share their money they start to share their meals they start to share the story of what God's done in them and more people get saved the Lord adds to their number daily those who are being saved Bold believers expect God to save more so they share more of what they have. I want to say a huge thank you this morning for the generosity in this church. Three years ago, we prayed on the grass out there and we believed that God was calling us to build a building where generations of kids and youth would hear the good news about Jesus. Many people here over the last three years have given generously and sacrificially to see this building constructed. We opened the doors to a great kids and youth building for young people to come and to hear the good news about Jesus. And they've come in droves, hundreds of kids every weekend coming to hear the good news of Jesus. We've already seen lives changed and young people sent out to make a difference in the world. We had a big, bold prayer in our heart that we would do it debt-free in three years. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we are now debt-free. All paid off. All done. Can I say a huge thank you for the way that you've shared what God has given you to make that happen so that more people can get saved. Right now, you know, as a church, we're a little bit behind budget. And if we're going to continue to plant more campuses and reach more people in more communities into the future, you know, we're, we're going to need to see that giving gap close. I mean, can I just encourage you, ask you to, to come before God and say, what, what's he calling you to give in this next season? Because I'm expecting, I'm expecting, I want to be around this place for a long time, and I'm expecting to see many, many, many more people get saved as we share what God has given us with others. 
You know, they shared their gold so that more people get saved and they shared the gospel. They invited people to sit around their table and to hear the good news about Jesus. And the gospel, the gospel does save lives. That is the message of the gospel. That's why it had to get shared. There's no point hanging on to it just for ourselves. There's no point just hanging on until we get to heaven. This gospel that we've been given, the good news of Jesus we've been given, it's got to get shared with others. It's got to be given to others so that others can be saved. I know that some of you here, this next step of faith God's calling you to take is to share the gospel with others around your table, just like they did 2,000 years ago, so that more and more people can come to know Jesus. You know, the the gospel is a lifesaver. You know, we're all of us, all of us are drowning in a sea of sin. Got no way of getting out of the problem ourselves. We got no way of saving ourselves. And, and God had this incredible rescue plan where he sent his son Jesus to earth, you know, to die on a cross for our sin, to actually take all of the punishment, all of the penalty for our sin on his own shoulders. So that what once stopped us from being in relationship with God was done away with. And if we would just reach out to Jesus, if we would just reach out and take a hold of this life-saving message of what Jesus has done for us, that we too can be saved. This is a message for anyone, everywhere. All people can take a hold of this. And I, I want to ask this morning, before you know, I, I ask if you're a bold believer, I simply want to ask if you're a believer. I want to ask, have you taken hold of the gospel? Have you taken hold of what Jesus has done for you? There's a simple way that you can do that this morning. It requires admitting your sin, admitting that you can't save yourself, believing that Jesus died to forgive your sin and committing your life to following Jesus as Lord and Savior from here on in. I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you want to take hold of the life-saving message of Jesus this morning, you want to say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to, I want to be in a relationship with God. I'm just going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads just for a moment. This is something that's between you and God. But if you'd like to pray that prayer with me this morning, if you'd like to admit your sin, to believe Jesus died in your place, to forgive your sin and commit your life to following him, you want to take a hold of that truth this morning that will save your life for all of eternity. Can I just get you, just while every eye is closed and head is bowed, just to stick your hand up just for a moment. Just say, that's me. I want to pray that prayer today. If that's you today, just stick your hand up just for a second so I can see it. Who's here today? And you say, bless you. That's cool. Who else today? Just say, that's me. Just stick your hand up just so I can see it. Bless you. Good man. Who else today? Would say, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. Bless you. I see that hand. Who else today? Just say, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. I want, to, I want Jesus to save me. Anyone else today? Bless you. I can see that hand. You can put it down. That's cool. If that's you this morning, just pray with me, please. Father God, thank you. God, thank you that you love me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place.
I ask today that you would forgive my sin. And I choose to follow you, Jesus, as Lord and Saviour from this day forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together and just encourage all of those guys? Can I encourage you this morning, if that's you, just head to our welcome lounge at the end. We'd love to give you a Bible, love to help you get started uh, on that journey. Hey, I just want to pray a blessing over you as, uh, as I go for a few months uh, this morning. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to come down the front, but I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. If you're here this morning and just say right now, uh, I know God's calling me to station myself to hear him speak. I'm expecting God to speak to me this season, and I'm going to give him more time to speak. If that's you, can I just get you to stand where you are right now? Just wherever you are, just stand where you are. I want to pray a blessing over you. There's some others of you, and uh, whether you think you're tight or not, you just know you've got to go and buy a prayer book. Something you can begin just to write your big, bold prayers in. Something where you can just, just continually, persistently, personally, powerfully just come before God and say, God, I'm asking you for more. If that's you this morning, just stand where you are. I want to pray, pray a blessing on you too. Just stand where you are. Hey, there's others of you here, and you just know, I'm not going to ask you to do this physically, but you just know this morning it's time to put your undies on the outside. It's time to start living in, in the power of the Holy Spirit within you and stepping out in fear and faith, maybe into some net first steps into new opportunities. If that's you this morning, just stand where you are. Come on, just jump, jump to your feet right now if that's you. There's others of you this morning and you'd say, you know what I really want to be a part of? You know, the new expectation I want in my heart is I just want to see God save more people. I want to be part of sharing this life-saving message of Jesus with others. That's what I want to expect. That's what I'm expecting more of from God into the future. If that's you, just stand where you are right now. Just jump to your feet. Let me, let me pray. Let me pray for all of you today. Father God, thank you. I thank you that you do love to speak to us. I thank you that uh, you call us just to stop, to be still, and to listen to you. And I pray for everyone here today who's just choosing to do that. God, would you bless them. God, would you fill them with your extravagant grace. God, would you speak to them. God, would you put joy in their heart as they hear your voice, confidence in the call that you have moving forward. God, this morning, God, I pray for those who've got some big, bold prayers to write down and to keep praying and to not give up. God, this morning, would you give them faith? God, I pray for a faith within them that they would keep asking and asking and asking until they see it happen. God, would you fill them with faith and perseverance, I pray in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those who are just wanting to step out in fear and faith, to walk in the 
the power of your Holy Spirit into new opportunities to see you at work in powerful ways through their ministry in the workplace, in the church, wherever you send them around the world. God, would you fill them with your spirit in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for those who just got a passion to invite people to sit around their table, to sit around office tables and to share the good news about Jesus. God, would you give them favour? Would you give them confidence? And God, would they have the joy of seeing many, many people come to know you? I pray in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.